<coughs> Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now in Masachet Shabbat, Daf Yod Tet Amud Bet. About to take a look at the last few Mishnayot, uh, Mishnah Yod and Mishnah Yod Aleph of this, the first parak. Ein basar batzalu beitzalu kadeshi tzolim bod yom. And here, Beit Shemayin Beit Hill do not disagree. Mishnah is presented as a consensus, and this is some of the same issues of starting a melacha just before Shabbat that will continue into Shabbat, and because this deals with Bishul, the rules are a little bit different, or the considerations are different. So we're not allowed to <coughs> roast meat, onions, eggs, we already saw this quoted earlier, unless they will be fully fried, or to whatever shear it is, by Shabbat. You can't put bread in the oven before dark. Just before dark. Or cake on coals. Unless the, uh, the, this, the, uh, face of it will become browned before Shabbat starts. We'll see which direction we're talking about. It means the lower one. Now we'll see what he means by the lower one. We'll see that in the Gemara. The last Mishnah, Mishal Sunta Pesach, Batanur im Chashecha. We're allowed to lower the Korban Pesach directly into the Tanur. The Tanur was a big pot-bellied oven with a hole on top. You can lower it into the Tanur just before dark. If, let's say, Pesach is on a Friday night, meaning Korban Pesach on a Friday day, they're allowed to light the big bonfire that they had in Beit HaMokeid, which we studied about in Masachat Tamid, <coughs> which is an area that they had a big fire for the Kohanim, because the Kohanim would be walking around uh, barefoot, and in the winter it was cold, and uh, so they would have this fire for them. They were allowed to set that up just before Shabbat. But outside of the Mikdash, you have to have a majority of the fire already lit in order to do so before Shabbat, to have it be going on Shabbat. If it's coals, then a small amount is enough. Okay, so let's go back to the <coughs> roasting meat. How much has to be, how, how much cooked does it have to be before Shabbat? So Ben Drusoy was evidently some sort of famous thug who ate his meat relatively raw, and either ate it at a half-cooked or a third-cooked. That's Machloket Rishonim, a uh, very much famous Machloket in, uh, <coughs> in, that comes into uh, issues that we will see here and later on in uh, issues of Bishul B'Shabbat. But the idea is that that is minimally called cook. Cooked. So, so the issue of Bishogoyim, of not having uh, a non-Jew cook something that's of significance, doesn't apply if beforehand it was already cooked, then it's already called cooked, whatever he does later is just called heating it up. So that is the impact of Bishul, is that anything that's already you're allowed to then leave it on top of the stovetop into Shabbat, even though the stovetop is not cleaned out and the coals are accessible, because it's already called cooked, and therefore no further Bishul will be taking place. Okay. We said you can't put the bread in unless it will be uh, whitened um, uh, or browned, actually, uh, before Shabbat. So, when Rabbalazar said the tachton face, what does that mean? Does it mean the one that's facing the wall of the tanur, meaning furthest away from the fire? Or maybe it's the one that's facing the fire. 
It means the part that's connected to the to the oven, which means that it's a chumrah, and that means that much more of the bread has to be browned in order for you to be able to leave it in there on Shabbat. Now, the last Mishnah said that they could lower the Pesach in. Because when we have the Chavura, uh, who are all standing around preparing the Pesach, they're going to be very careful and make sure that nobody will stoke coals or anything else on Shabbat. In other words, you're not just one person cooking alone. And this is somewhat similar to what we had earlier with the candle, where we said if two people are reading it together, or if the students are reading in front of their Rebbe, they may use the candle because they either, in the case of two, they'll remind each other. In the case of the students, they're so afraid, they won't make a move without their Rebbe, and therefore they won't tip the the, uh, the lamp. Here, in the same way, B'nai Chabura are very careful. They're involved in Korban Pesach. They're going to remind each other, and they themselves will be careful. But the question is, if it weren't for that consideration, it would be prohibited. If you recall in the previous sugya, we said that if you have a goat, whether or not the oven is sealed or not, you could leave it in because opening it up and letting wind in is something that's going to hurt it, so you're not going to go in and stoke the coals. The answer is, In the case of the the goat that we were talking about earlier, that's when it's cut up into pieces. And therefore, if you were to open up the oven, the wind would come in and would hurt it. Here, as the halachas states very clearly uh, in uh, Sefer Shemot, Perak Yudbet, you have to have the entire Korban Pesach as one piece. And so therefore, it won't be hurt by letting the wind in, and therefore the concern is there, weren't for the fact that B'nei Chavura Zrizinhen. And then we said, Ma'achizin et ta'ur, that we're allowed to start the bonfire just before Shabbat, in the Beit HaMoked. What's the source? So in the Pasuk in Vayakel, you're not allowed to light a fire in your settlements, and the Limud is, You can't light a fire out in the settlements, but you could in the Mikdash. Why do you have to start it before Shabbat? According to that, you could light the bonfire on Shabbat itself, which of course is not possible. He says, the pasuk, is not to say that you could light a bonfire in the Mikdash. You can never light a fire just for your own use. It's there to tell you you could add to the fire on Shabbat in order to burn the leftover parts of the Korban from Friday. But the reason that we allow we allow you to light the bonfire just before Shabbat, and we're not afraid you're going to fix it and adjust it on Shabbat, is because Kohanim is Rizimim, they're very careful uh, with Shabbat, and they're very circumspect, and they'll remind each other also. Okay, we said, We said, outside of the Mikdash, you have to light the bonfire so that a majority is lit before Shabbat. So my ruban, what does that mean? What's a majority? A majority of each log has to be lit. It just has to be lit enough so you don't say, let's bring some more kindling and put it underneath to get the fire going. The fire has to be going on its own. So Rav Chia had a brighta that supported Shmuel's approach. Which is Kadesh Te shall have it the flame has to be working on its own. Without needing extra help from some outside agent like s'more wood. So when it's an independent fire that's already self sufficient, then uh you could as long as you have that before Shabbat starts, you're good to go. Now eight what about a single log? Rav Rav says you need a majority of the thickness on fire. 
And another version is that Rav said a majority of the circumference has to be lit, which is actually easier. Marpapas or Papa, as we saw many times in Brachot, combining two versions together. Here it combines the two versions of Rav and says, We require both. It has to be a majority of the circumference and a majority of the thickness already inflamed. Ketanoi, and this whole thing is a machloka tanaim, Rabbi Chi Amar, Kedeshi Yishacheta Eitzim Lachata Uman. How much, how burned does it have to be before Shabbat starts to allow? As long as, Rabbi says, as long as the wood is no longer usable by an, an artisan, meaning it's already on fire. Rabbi Yudhaman Matero Amar, Kedesh Tachaza Eish Vishnet Stadin, that the fire has to be operating from both sides. Operating meaning it's caught on both sides. He says, I don't have proof for that, but I have an allusion to it in a pasuk in Yechezkel. If both sides are eaten by the fire and the inside's eaten out, could you use it for work anymore? Okay. Now, this is a pasuk in Yirmiyahu talking about Yehoyakim burning a Mikilah. What is an ach? So in modern Hebrew, an ach is a fireplace. My ach amarav achvana. He says it means a basket. He says no wood that's that is inflamed in fraternity, meaning that the the law the sticks and the logs are all together, and each one lights the other. And we have a support for Rav. The guy was in the marketplaces. Who would like an achvana? And they found that he was selling baskets. Amravuna, because a basket, wicker basket is also like a brotherhood with the different pieces holding each other up. Amravuna, kanim ein rov. If you have, like, sticks, you don't need rov. Like, kindling, little sticks. Agadan ein rov. But if you bundle them together, then you need a rov of that bundle. Garinin ein rov. If you light, like, sesame seeds, you don't need a rov. Netanam batochot But if you put them in tubes, then ein rov. So, matka of chistor, chistor challenge is the adurabah. In both cases, the opposite should be the case. Why? When you have sticks, they're all separated, so each one should need a rove. Agadan, when you put them together, then they don't separate, so you shouldn't need a rove. It's already going to inflame itself. Same thing with Garinin. And eat Marnami, we have support for Rav Chista's take on this, which is, the proper Nusach is, Kanim Sha'agdan. Um rov, and that's really the end of the gear. So garinin ain't tzuchin rov. There's garin garinin tzuchin rov. Sorry, ain't tzuchin rov. And sorry, kanim shagadan tzuchin rov. Lo agadan ain't tzuchin rov. Garinin tzuchin rov. And hanam achotalot ain't tzuchin rov. But the first part of that really should be reversed. Kanim sha'agadan ain't tzuchin rov. But if they're separate, tzuchin rov. Okay, tell him Yosef, there's four kinds of bonfires where you don't need a rove before Shabbat because they're so good at inflaming and they don't go out that you don't have to worry about having to fix them. Shall zephet, tar, shall gofrit, which is a graphite sort of. Um, shall gvina, really the girsa here is shall kira, which is like a wax or paraffin. Shall revav, which is suet. Other kinds of uh, kasha straw, and vava is also some sort of an animal uh, fat. The kind of um, uh, wood that they have in Bavel doesn't need rove. So now Rav Yosef, who lived in Bavel, asked, If you think it is these little uh, sticks, 
Ula said that even a wick, you need a majority lit. A majority that comes out. Silta Bibaya certainly needs sticks. Yosef Socha da Arza. Socha da Arza is, um, is evidently, um, a, um, a, a kind of a cedar branch, which lights very well. He had a different one, which is, uh, moss. So Rav Yosef, Rav Yochan was referring to one of those two things when he said that the Babylonian wood does not need a rove. Hadran Shabbat. We've completed our study of the first parak of Masachat Shabbat. Hashem, in the next podcast, we're going to pick it up with the second parak, the very famous Pamemad Likin. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.